Well, it's good to be back. Um, I definitely did miss you guys as we were singing some of those songs, right? I just, I, I love worshiping with you. There is no other place I'd rather be. Um, I, I can't give you all what happened in three weeks, but just some of what you know, if you don't know where we went. Uh, we drove from here right after VBS closing celebration a couple Sundays ago. Uh, we got in the car and drove all the way to Washington, D.C. and came back. Um, had lots of experiences there and back. Um, we got to see the Mickelsons uh, on our, in, out in Alabama, and they said hello. Um, and maybe they're watching online. Love you guys. Um, I got to actually see Sandy. She's in Tennessee right now, and I saw her when we, when we were in Tennessee. That was kind of strange. That was fun, though. Um, saw lots of people, lots of good things. And one of the things we did was we saw David's tent, and I'll, I'll, we'll share some more about that. But th- another one of our missionaries that we support that are in D.C. And so it was fun that we got to leave family here and actually see family along the way and family all the way in D.C. and then be back. So for me, even though I miss you guys as my family, um, I was surrounded by family everywhere we went and I love that. Um, And if you don't remember, that word family keeps coming a lot because that is the theme for this year. That's the word that God gave me for this year. And in Joshua, um, Joshua makes this declaration in Joshua chapter one. He says, "Um, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whereas me and my family, in some translations, we'll serve the Lord. And um, I didn't want uh, today to be necessarily share and tell, me just telling all the stories of what happened. But at the same time, I felt like it's appropriate and right um, that we're family, that some stories are shared, that some of what we did is communicated to you guys. And actually, I'll give you this. It's not, I don't have to feel bad at all. I'm not apologizing because actually God gave me a little vision before we even left um, that I, I saw my whole family, the Donnelly family, up on stage with me. And, um, and I knew it was supposed to be the Sunday we got back. And so some of my kids are not so excited about coming up on stage and being behind a microphone. Um, but I'm going to ask my family to come on up here. And uh, they're just going to share just a couple quick things. And I promise you, it is like telling you what we did on our family vacation. But it also, I know for a fact, it's supposed to bless some of you. That there are things that are going to be said that are encourage you. Oh, they're going to go like the sneaky way. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. I, in fact, man, I don't even like feel like tons of anointing on it. I just feel like it's obvious. Um, my kids are meant, they're getting some of what's on me. They're meant to be pastors, ministers, worshipers. They're meant to be in leadership in the church, outside the church. And so this is good for them. Um, I shared with you a thousand times that I grew up as an introvert and I never wanted to be on stage. And thank goodness I had a good mom in the back who is the extreme extrovert. And she forced me to be in church plays and school plays and be up on stage and do things. And I hated it at the moment. Just letting you know, I did hate it at the moment. Um, but now I'm so thankful that my mom made me do things that I didn't feel like doing, right? And I, I'm giving them a hard time. They're actually fine. Um, but I know that God was doing something, even as a kid, God was preparing me to be a pastor one day and I had no idea. There are things that them even being up here, God is preparing them, but I'm saying that because it's actually for you too. My whole prayer has been that this is not like the Donnelly showcase, but that somehow it is imparting something to you, that you are receiving a fresh word. That has been my prayer um, this morning, all week long, is that um, each one of you get something out of this. So it might not be from the pastor this morning. You might get your word of the Lord today from someone younger than the pastor. So um, just some of the things, I don't know, we didn't come up with order who's doing what hey where's mom she's hiding yeah where'd mom go is she really not here 
Oh my goodness. All right, well, she's, she's hiding for a few seconds, but she'll be up here, I promise. Um, so some of the things we did, we traveled, we drove. Some people thought it was crazy that we drove through all the entire United States to get all the way to the East Coast and drive all the way back. Why don't you just fly? Because then you miss, the, you miss seeing all the country. So we got to see the countryside. Um, so let's see. I know if you don't know my kids' personalities, Benjamin and Ezra have the least problem being up here. The other two are more like me, introverts. Oh, thank you. Someone went and got my wife. Thank you. Um, uh, so, I don't know, we didn't come up with a who's doing what, when, where, why, how, um, but you're in order. So, Joshua, you get to go first. Um, where's, where's mom's microphone? I'm turning on Jen's microphone, whoever's doing sound. Um, so, Joshua, what is one of the things that we did on this trip other than just relax and have fun and just, I don't know, be entertained? What's something that was meaningful that we did that you're willing to share? Um, so my favorite part of going on the trip was when we got to drive through all the states, and so we pray for each state. And I was like, "Oh, that's like that's a fun idea. Like we get to pray through each state." But then, like as we were praying, we would learn fa- facts before we would go and pray, and the Holy Spirit would move, and He would take those facts and He would move them into our prayers. So it was really fun to see like how each prayer was unique to the state, and how like the presence was different in each state. Like you could feel like the difference of each time you drove through the state line, you could feel the difference in the way the Holy Spirit wanted us to pray and what he wanted us to pray for. So good. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And along with that, through each day we prayed, and then when we arrived in D.C., um, we went to David's tent, which I think is behind me. Um, And it was started by um, the Hershey's, which is a missionary's family that we support. Um, And basically... What it is is it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tent, and there's worship going on 24-7 throughout the entire year, um, all through the night, all through the morning. Like, there's just different people are assigned different times, and there's just always worship going on. And it's right um, in front of the Capitol. So it's right in there in D.C. with all the political things going on, just a tent full of worship. Um, and so we got to go be part of that. And every week, they, um, they pray specifically for a different state. Um, so... I think uh, California is coming up in like a in couple August. in August. Um, they'll be praying for us from D.C. Um, but it was it was really powerful because as as we were driving, we prayed through different states. But then when we arrived in D.C., we got to be a part of David's tent, and they were praying um, specifically for states also. And it kind of just it kind of renewed this hope in me that like revival revival is possible in America, and it is coming. Um, and it's something that, I don't know, it's kind of been on my heart for a while, but I, I didn't, like, know if it was possible because, you know, we live in California and there's a lot of, <laughs> like, not nice people here. Um, <laughs> but that was something, it was super encouraging. In, in every state, we kind of got to just, like, see God working. And then there was one state in particular, I don't remember which one it was, but as we were driving, we just kept seeing churches and churches and churches. And we're like, where are the houses? There's only churches. <laughs> like, it was just, but it was, it was awesome just seeing all these churches, and it's like, it's like, as, as lost as we are, God is working in this country. And it's just through David's tent and through driving through the states, it really renewed my hope um, in this country. Amen. Amen. I wrote all mine down. I'm very thankful that I got to go to D.C. with my family. We had so much fun together, and we got to grow in our knowledge about America. My favorite memorial that we got to visit was the Jefferson Memorial. The words that Thomas Jefferson spoke over our nation are truly powerful. A short quote engraved in the memorial that stood out to me said, God who gave life gave us liberty. 
Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. These words greatly impacted me. They revealed to me how I can pray for my country. I can pray that America will wake up and see that its freedom came from God and that he's the Lord of all. My family road trip this summer was more than just a fun vacation. It sparked a new hope in me to pray and fight for America. Amen. Um, so after we went to D.C., we went to Philadelphia and we went to Independence Hall, which is where the uh, Declaration of Independence was signed and the Constitution was created. And um, while the delegates were debating um, how our nation should be run, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin reminded them of the importance of prayer and how it got them to um, overcome Britain. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit of what he said. How has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying uh, appealing to the Father of Lights to illuminate our understanding. In the beginning of the contest with Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for the divine providence. Our prayers, sir, were heard and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent incidents of the superintended intending providence of in our favor. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? Um, when the first Continental Congress convened, they implemented uh, Franklin's recommendation. This practice continues today with prayer offered at the beginning of each daily meeting when Congress is in session. <laughs> if you can't tell, this dad is very proud of his kids. Um, that uh, Really, I am. And, and like I said, I, I know I'm sharing just kind of a family vacation that might seem a little funny. It does to me a little bit. But I guess for me, as Benjamin said, there is a renewed hope in me as we drove across America that this nation is not lost. This nation is not completely gone. There is hope there is so much hope, and I do have a message I will share from Scripture, but the idea is I just want you, I, I'm hoping, my prayer has been, that the hope and the refreshment of driving through our entire nation and that you see on us gets on you, that you are not under just this uh, dark cloud of political, I don't know, junk that we keep hearing in the news and that it's just this dark, gloomy cloud, that, man, God is on the move. God founded this nation on so many good things, and he's still alive. And he's not done yet, right? He who started a good work, he's faithful. He's faithful to bring it to completion. It doesn't matter how faithful we've been or how long gone some of our leaders are. God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful that he will finish what he started. And he's not done yet. And so um, one of the things we did, I'll let Jen share, but obviously, you know, we, there was a lot of prayer. And there was a lot of, to me, I'm so thankful because it wasn't me forcing, but I saw God instilling hope in my kids and the importance of prayer and national pride. I wasn't here on the 4th of July Seder barbecue that you guys had. Uh, and thank you, Janine, for running that and doing all of that and all the hands that did that. Um, but um, I, 
I am a patriotic. I love my country, and I don't want it to be something separate. I love my country because God loves this country. And, and I'm not ashamed, as I say often on Sunday morning, I'm not ashamed that I'm God's favorite. I say it all the time, right? I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed to say this is the most blessed country on God's green earth, right? This is a place that God loves. This is the land that he loves. And so he has blessed us, but there is, I don't know, I don't want to, you know, if we do this and if we do this, and I get that, there is all the ifs, but there's something that's just despite as we did communion, even above and beyond our ifs and our disobedience, God is faithful. And we just need to be reminded of that sometimes, that it doesn't matter how sideways we get, God has a plan. He's always able to redeem things. And so this is for our country, but I'm hoping you're hearing it's for your family. It's for your work situation. It's for, I'm going to tell you just as, as you were telling the, the story, Elizabeth, of, of this church that Pastor Jack Stiles, I don't want to go off too far of a tangent, but the reality is this church over 70 years has not had a perfect history. Our nation has not had a perfect history, right? We had a civil war where there was ugliness about slavery. This church has had ugly. This family, even though maybe you saw on social media, it was all smiles, did not have a perfect, right? There was times I made one of my kids cry, right? There was times where just being real, we were a real family. But can I tell you, this was an incredible family vacation. I have an incredible family. I love my kids. It was enjoyable, all of it. People are saying, you took four teenagers and put them in a car for three weeks? That sounds fun to you? And after three weeks, I'm saying, yes, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would love to do it again. And for me, I was sharing in early morning prayer. There's no, there's no other human being I would want to be on the face of the planet. I don't want to live in anyone else's life. I don't care if they're more rich or they seem like they have a more cushy life. Man, I don't want to live in any other person's life. I want to live the life that God's called me to live. I don't want to be in anybody else's family. The Donnelly family, man, it's the best family. I'm not saying it's better than yours. I'm just saying, I'm saying from a place that I want you to have what I have. As I say all the time, I've got my ticket to heaven, but I want you to have more than a ticket to heaven because I don't have just a ticket to heaven. I have this enjoyable life with God that I love my life and I want you to have the same thing. When I'm saying I love my family, I want you to have the same thing, that you love your family, that I have this renewed love for my country. I want you to have the same thing, that our country is a great country and it's worth loving and fighting for. I'll stop talking because my wife is waiting here to say, and I know these kids want to get off the stage. Um, but... We did lots of things. We don't have, I'm not going to take all the time the things we did. Um, but one of the things we did as we, it wasn't every single state we started, but it was pretty early on we started doing that. So I'll let Jen share some of the, another thing we did. Um, so as we prayed through the states, you heard Joshua say, like, we asked questions. So we would, like, learn a little bit about the state, like when it became part of the United States and different facts about it. And we would pray about it. Most of you already know I love worship. So as we're praying, too, I'm, like, reeling of, like, what song are we going to sing over this land that we're driving through? And so the first few states we did, we sang some worship songs. And I kept getting this song that came to mind. And I was like, okay, but that's not a worship song. So I didn't do it the first, like, maybe two times it came to mind. And finally, I think we were in, I don't know, the second day of driving or something. It was not very far in. And I was like, okay, I feel like we're supposed to sing this land is your land. This land is my land. And I'm like, I know it's not a worship song, but when we did, it like, I don't know, it spiritually wrecked us in the car. Like, we were crying, we were singing, we were declaring it across the land. And it really became our theme song as we drove from state to state after we would pray over each state. 
we would sing that same song and just really declaring this land, this country, it's your land, it's your land, it's my land. It was made for you and me and just a conviction of reclaiming God's land across the United States. And so um, that was just, for me, a significant part of, of what we did yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to play it. Um, it's slow, but it really became a worship song for our family of declaring this land. And just before we play it, um, as we drove into California, I'll confess I'm guilty of like, why do we live here? Can God call us someplace else? <laughs> like, I am, and that's not right, and I'm wrong. Um, but driving into California, having spent time praying over all these other states, I was very emotional. I didn't know I would be that way as I started praying for California. But God just gave me a renewed sense of like, this is where he has called us. This is where he has placed us. And this is my land. This is God's land. And so I have more of a fire in me to fight for the state of California than I've ever had before in my life. And so I just sensed um, a vision God had given me while we were driving and praying is we have Washington, D.C., for you guys, maybe this side of the East Coast, I don't know, and California, and just this rainbow of promise from one end of the country to the other end of the country that we're fighting and we're not alone. There are a lot of churches, a lot of the body of Christ is fighting for America, and so those are yeah. just some of the things that, I don't know, God did and yeah. stood out, but... yeah. So it sounds kind of patriotic. We stand for the national anthem. I know it's not the national anthem, and I know it's not necessarily a worship song, but we're making it into one today. So would you stand as we sing this song? It's, it's who sings it? Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt's a country singer. And you remember, I like country music. For most of my life, not I didn't, but God song, made me like country music. So would you sing this with us? We sang it probably 100 times already, this but we're going to sing it again. Is land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. As I was walking that river of highway. That endless skyway I saw below me That golden valley This land was made for you and me Sparkling sands of her diamond desert, and all around me a voice was sounding. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is mine. To the 
Thank you guys, you can go have a seat. Thank you, thank you for coming up. <laughs> so, so good, so good. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. I am talking about America, but I'm talking about this church, Osborne Neighborhood Church. There's things that God has given you Maybe I'll say it here so I'm not pointing the finger. I'm preaching to myself this morning. There's things that God has given me that I need to learn how to possess. I need to learn how to obtain, to grab a hold of, to walk in and say, this is mine. You know, I can't help but think all the way back in the beginning, Genesis, right? When God creates and he puts Adam in the garden. I don't know, it doesn't say in scripture, this is, this is my thinking, I don't know. I just have a hunch that when we read the story about the serpent coming and talking to Eve, and that's what's recorded, I have this hunch that it wasn't the first time the serpent talked to Eve. I think he came multiple times. Maybe it was just, hey, how's it going? You know, maybe all the animals talked back then, we don't know. But somehow it became familiar that this serpent became familiar to Adam and Eve. But I think that from the very beginning, Adam knew that wasn't okay. And somehow, right, the frog in the kettle, he just kept being okay, and he compromised. And he just said, it's okay, it's not a big deal. Until eventually, it became the biggest deal in all of human history. And I'm wondering how many serpents are slithering in our land. Yes, America, but make it a little more personal. In your family, in your workplace, in different places where we just say, well... I mean, most of everything is paradise, right? I, I don't want to complain, but the reality is we are to be, as the command is to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, subdue, have dominion over the earth. It's your land, Adam. I, I wonder how much God didn't say, well, there's going to be a serpent and he's going to be your enemy and you need to like do battle and spiritual warfare. God didn't say all that to Adam. He just said, this is your land. You possess it. You have dominion over it. If anything comes to steal your dominion, you do business. You figure it out. And I think there's some of that where I just keep waiting. Well, God didn't call me to that. Well, God, I don't have this ministry. I don't. And God's like, baloney, I don't have to tell you everything to do. I'm telling you, this is your land. I put you here. You do something, Ryan. And there's something about ownership. Really quick, I, even talking about Osborne Neighborhood Church. I love, I, I won't have time to highlight everybody, but I'll just say two people come to my mind really quick. One, I don't know, I didn't get permission to either one, but one to me is kind of a little funny. I'm gonna, no idea I'm about to say this. Cecile Borjarski, you have no idea I'm about to say this. But years ago, when they just started coming to our church and um, started visiting and then kind of made this your home church, and then that was the first time we had VBS where a whole bunch of other, at that point, you were still going to village, the kids were going to village, and all these other families started coming, and it was, there was this ownership on her part where she's like, wait a second, this is my church. Like, what are you guys doing here? This is my church. Like, I, I, and it's kind of funny, but to me, I love that story because it didn't take very long when she got here, she took ownership. She's like, you know what, this is my church, and if you're visiting, this is how we do things. This is how, like, you don't just get to come in and do that. Like, I like there was kind of some, to me, I took it as a little of healthy sass. Like, what do you think you're doing here? Like, this is my church, right? 
In a sense, I wish Adam and Eve, I wish Adam and Eve had a little bit more sass. When the, when the serpent came in, like, what are you doing here? This is my land. Get out of here, right? Like, you don't belong here. This is mine. There needs to be a little more sass. There needs to be a little bit more chutzpah. Like, what are you doing here? This is mine. Another one I'm going to pick on is Catherine. I already said this morning, but I love that Catherine's been here for just a little over a year, and she's already asking, hey, can I start up a ministry? Hey, I've got ideas for us to all get together and have just family fun time. Like, she is taking ownership of what can I do to do something? Can I tell you, as the pastor of a church, I see when people take ownership of the church. I see when they do things and they take things on their own shoulders, their own responsibility. Like, well, this is my church. Like, I'm going to do something about it. it. It endears me towards you when you do that. Can I tell you it's the same thing with our Father in heaven? When he sees you take ownership of something he's given you, he's like, ah, that's my boy. That's my daughter. When we sit back and we say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to go over here and play with this one little thing. Like, you gave me all this, but I'm just going to do this one little thing right here. God's like, come on, I gave you all this. Are you going to do? Are you gonna go search it out? Are you going to go see it? And so I'll finally get to where I want to read this morning. Um, Genesis chapter, we talked about at the very beginning, but let's turn to Genesis chapter 13. I think I have it on the slide. You can pull it in your Bibles. Um, Genesis chapter 13, it's the story of Abraham. And I kind of referenced it already, that, that God just picked Abraham. In communion, I said, God picked Abraham. He didn't do anything in the beginning of this chapter 13. doesn't say that he did anything to deserve it or earn it. But God just picks Abram, changes his name to Abraham later. I thought I had it saved in my Bible. Hold on, let me find it. Genesis 13. And we're going to look at verse 14. We're going to start 13, 14. Easy to remember. Genesis 13, 14. And we'll just read a few verses. It says this. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as dust of the earth, so that if a man could number of the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Arise and go and search out the land. He's telling Abram, if you want to know, I'm giving you probably more than you want to know, and I got to do it quick. Abram is standing in the promised land. He's left his family, he's left everything, he's left Ur, he's come into the promised land, and now he's on this hilltop, just a little bit north of Jerusalem, and God's telling him to look everywhere, right? He looks north, he sees the Jezreel Valley, the Sea of Galilee, mountain that has actually has snow in it sometimes, above that to the north. He sees to the west, he sees the Mediterranean Sea and all the land in between. The east, Moab, the mountains of Moab and all the wilderness in between. He sees to the south, he sees Jerusalem. He sees where he's, he doesn't even know it, that in a few years, he's going to actually have a son and God's going to require him to go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son, same place where Jesus is sacrificed, right? He sees that land. He sees all the way down to the Dead Sea, maybe all the way to the Red Sea. He sees everything. They had no smog back then, right? So he could see everything. And I love it. I don't have time to go through it, but it says after he sees that, it says that Abram made an altar, worshiped God there, but it says then he started moving south in chunks after chunk. He started traveling. He started going to see what there was. As soon as he reached the farthest south, he reached Egypt, he came back and started traveling again. And he came back to that same place and he worshiped God in that same place again. There's something about when God gives you a promise He's given it to you, and it doesn't mean you deserved it. It doesn't mean you worked for it, you earned it. He just gave it to you. And now he's saying you have a responsibility to go search it out, to go find out how far does this promise actually go. 
what can I actually do with this promise? Does it work here? Does it work there? Like in church, we pray for people that are sick. We pray for people that are, people come forward at the end of, prayer, at the end of service. Man, if you've got, my kids had a broken collarbone, broken this, and at church they get healed. I'm saying that promise isn't just to happen here on the church grounds. It's supposed to happen everywhere we go. Can we take that promise with us and say, you know what? I'm gonna pray for someone at school. I'm gonna pray for someone at work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if this promise works over in this land too. I'm gonna test it out. And I love that it says that it belongs to your descendants. I, I don't have time, man. I, I have way more in my heart that I wanna share. But there's promises. Can I say this? Ezra read Benjamin Franklin. Noel read from Thomas Jefferson. These were our founding fathers. This promise was given to Abram before he even had a son. But it says it's to you and your descendants. It's not just to Abram. It's for all the descendants of Abram. That land belongs to God and to Abram's children. There are promises that were given to George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, to the Quakers, to people that came to this land for the first time that were our fathers. And I'm telling you, God's promises are all yes and amen. It wasn't just for 200 years ago when most of our leadership was God-fearing. It's for today. I am a descendant of my forefathers here in America. I'll even just throw that little, I've told you before, I'm related to Patrick Henry. We got to go to the very church that he gave his give me liberty, give me death speech. Man, it was so good to be in that church. But there were promises given to them that have not been fulfilled yet. Abram was given this promise. Did he inhabit all of the Holy Land? He had one son. He could not inhabit all of the promised land, but it was all given to him. So it took generations later to fulfill the promise. I'm telling you, there were promises giving, given to our American forefathers that it were not be able to be fulfilled in their lifetime. It was waiting for such a time as this, for you and I to wake up and to start inheriting the land. I'm telling you, it's not just America. I know that's kind of the theme right now. But it's in your personal life as well. All right, let me, before I get that, I'm going to read, because this is Genesis, right? It's given to Abram. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, the very beginning of Deuteronomy. This is now Moses. He's taken the Israelites. They've multiplied in the land of Egypt, right? Can you remember your Sunday school trivia? They grew up, became this prosperous, you know, millions of people. Now they're slaves. Now they get out. They go into the promised land. They disobey. They wander for 40 years. Now this is Moses, the end of his life. He's looking down on the promised land. This is Deuteronomy chapter one. He's now reiterating to the descendants of Abraham. This is your promise. So Deuteronomy chapter one, let me get there. Verse eight. Moses says this. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. Hundreds of years later, Moses is saying, something that was promised then is for you to take hold of today. So he says this in verse 8. He says it again. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. And then in verse 21, kind of says it again. It says this. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. 
There's something, I, I, don't, I can't even tap it all this morning because it's going to keep coming, I think. But there's something about, I'm preaching to me again this morning. There's something about fear and discouragement that needs to be dispelled. Here at Osborne, here in your family, at the workplace, school, wherever you're at, that somehow we are intimidated by that serpent that comes in and says, wait a second, are you sure you belong here? Are you sure you fit? Are you sure you have the authority to do that? Are you sure that people aren't going to think you're weird if you do that? But if there's this ownership that like Adam and Eve, I say, no, wait a second, this is my land. God put me in this garden. It's for me to tend. It's for me to take care of. And that thing doesn't belong. So I'm going to possess it. I'm going to be authoritative. And, and I'm going to say, no, you can't do that. There's things that I'm going to say in your workplace. Some of you, when you go to work, you're not the boss. It's not your company. You don't own it. But God is saying, yeah, but I put you in that company. I put you in that workplace. It's time for you to take ownership of it. It's time for you to say, no, not on my watch. I work here, therefore it's my company. It's not going to happen here. This doesn't happen here. I know I'm not the president, but I'm going to start talking like I'm the president of our nation. No, you may not do that in my land. That doesn't happen in America. Not on my watch. No, not in California. No, not in Los Angeles. No, not in this church. No, not in my family. No, right? Because God has blessed us. It's not just this spiritual battle where it's just attack the enemy, just like kicking the enemy out. It's actually enjoying it. It's the promised land. I'm supposed to enjoy it. So anytime I'm not enjoying life, it means something's been robbed from me. Something's been stolen from me. Hmm. So I'm saying this because I got lots of things in my head. I kind of picked on Bajarski and rushes and different people, but I can keep going on the list. There's lots of you that are already doing this, but this is supposed to motivate you, to encourage you. Some of you keep going. Some of you initiate and start something. It can be in this church. It can be something in your family. Oh, man. We can make our family vacation sound so spiritual and that we're such godly, good leaders, mom, mom and dad are leading the church. Can I tell you, there's actually my son, Benjamin, that made sure we did morning devotions. We did lots of prayer, but while we were driving, wait, can we just do like morning devotions? And he, actually my son is the one who led all of our morning devotions every single day while we drove. There's things that you guys are supposed to do that is not for the pastor to do. It's not all up to the leadership to do things. There's things that are supposed to happen in this church. I, I love that the Dirks shared that they're not pastors and they're not the ones up front leading everything. They're just doing what God's told them to do. They're where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be doing. They've possessed that land in Spain, and they're occupying where they live, and the church, and the neighborhood, and the relationships, and they're just having an influence where they are. There's something where God is saying, it doesn't matter. You don't need this platform. You don't need to have this title. You have been chosen to be where you are, to possess where you are. Own it. Take ownership of it. I mean, I... As we prayed into Cal I have so many things. As we came into California, one of the things I prayed for is I'm guilty, and I know all of us in this room are guilty, that California, Los Angeles, we're the entertainment capital of the world. And that God is actually the author of fun. He's actually the author of creativity, putting on plays. Those are all good things, but somehow we've been sucked into where we sit back and we just stare at a screen and we're being entertained where we're not actually possessing the land. 
We've been dumbed down. We've been wasting time doing things that actually were meant to be a blessing, and we've squandered the opportunity to actually possess things. And I just feel like this morning, God is wanting to encourage you, but also challenge you to kind of push, reveal, like kind of pull up the veil and say, there's opportunities all around you to take ownership of something. And God will be so blessed, so worshiped in you taking ownership of something. Maybe, maybe it's praying. It sounds like I'm like, it was nothing but spiritual great things happening in our church, in our, in our vacation. There was lots of good things that happened, right? But one of the things we did is we spent time praying for individuals. It's Benjamin's devotional. said, you should spend time praying for others more than just yourself. Like, okay, let's do that. Let's just call out one by one. Let's just start praying for friends and people we know. And Jen said it. After, I don't know if it was a, I think it was closer to two hours, but it was, it was a while of just praying for other people. And Jen's like, I could do this all day long. It just felt so good to have a room full of family praying for other people. It didn't become this burden and this thing like, oh, this is so boring. It's my task. It's what I have to do. It's actually just taking ownership of that friend over there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intercede for them. We started interceding for people. Some of you in this room, we started interceding for you. And, and there was this passion that started welling up. Like, I take ownership of that person. Like, that's mine. Like, I love them. And I'm going to start praying for them. I got to wrap this up. But there's something about this land belongs to you and me. There's something in your sphere of influence that the Holy Spirit is trying to put his finger on this morning. It belongs to you. And he's wanting you to take ownership of it. It could be something national. It could be something in this church. It might just be in your family. It might just be between you and I don't know. Holy Spirit knows what that is. Man. Am I, I feel like I'm talking about all kinds of things. Am I making sense? Is this like somehow making some coherent something? Okay, good, good, good. So we got to wrap this up. All right. I'm going to do what we did. You heard Joshua, we prayed for some states. Sometimes we didn't know what to pray for. We just said, we prayed to figure out what we should pray for. So I'm going to do that now. Holy Spirit, how do you want to finish this off? I thank you for your word, God, that you challenge us to be not only hearers, but to be doers of the word. So Holy Spirit, I ask for myself personally, but for everyone else in this room, would you give me some specific, concrete things that I can do? I want to walk in the land of the living. I want to taste and see. I want to I obtain. I, I don't want to be the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God, I don't want to just have hope for the future for someday. God, today is a day I want to walk in it. I want to start learning how to take risk and start trying things. So Holy Spirit, help. <laughs> You're our helper. So come be who you are in our lives. Lead, guide, direct, challenge us, convict us, empower us. Holy Spirit, you give us power. It says we'll be endued with power from on high. So I thank you for the encouragement, God. I thank you for the refreshment, God, that you are alive in this land. You are alive in this church. You're alive in my life. You are moving and working and doing things. God, may I be guilty 
being accused of the same thing that I am moving, that I am doing, that I am actively pursuing, that I'm not stagnant. That just as you are alive, God, I am alive in you. And I choose this day, me and my family, we choose to serve you. We choose to inherit and obtain and walk in and possess the land that you've given us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you stand as we just sing one last worship song? And in fact, if you need prayer, if the Holy Spirit's giving you something, I want to give you an opportunity to get prayed over, but Jen's got something too. I just felt um, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Amen. And I think sometimes the enemy, well, he is a deceiver, so he likes to manipulate and twist things. To be confident in Christ is not arrogance. Amen. It is knowing who you are and your purpose and what God has called you to. And so just as Ryan said, it's time to take possession of things God's put before us. Sometimes it begins with something as simple as declaring the truth in the face of the lie you've been walking in. Mm -hmm. And knowing confidently what God says about you and what he's calling you to. There's power in our words. With a word, God spoke the world into creation. Yeah. Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. I'm guilty of it. I have said things before that go against the things God has spoken into my life. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying it in an accusatory way, I hope, but just a practical way of walking some of that possessing out yeah. is begin declaring, no, this is who God says I am. God has placed me here for such a time as this. I have influence in this area. I have influence in this relationship. I have influence where God has placed me because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and he's a God of purpose and intention. He doesn't do things accidentally. So I just want to encourage you. it, It might not be as grand as possessing a land, but it is possessing a land when we walk in truth. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's good. So we'll have some leaders up front. If uh, you want prayer or any of that or anything, we'll just be available and we'll dismiss you after this last song.